Hello, and welcome back to Demigod Disasters, a Percy Jackson podcast where I, your host Andy, am both a demigod and a disaster. This week, we're catching up on chapters 11 through 16. Come hang out with me while we read about Medusa, Percy becoming a fugitive, and get free food from a god. Hi! Hello! How have you been? How's your week gone? I hope it's been well. Welcome back! I hope you're excited that we're now entering single-digit territory uh, before, like, in terms of, like, numbers before the Percy Jackson premieres on Disney+. Plus. So exciting. I am ecstatic, literally so happy. Speaking of the TV show, I have been thinking. I have been using my noggin. And as a result, I thought it could be fun if we use this time to look at the way the chapters we're reading in The Lightning Thief line up with the TV show episodes. So if you remember, the episode titles for the TV show are actually chapter titles. So I'm just going to read that out for you real quick. I'll put it in the show notes for this one too, just so that like you have a visual. Because <laughs> sometimes I just, numbers and everything. Okay, so episode one is I accidentally vapor as my pre-algebra teacher. Episode two, I become supreme lord of the bathroom. Episode three, we visit the garden gnome emporium. Episode four, I plunged to my death. Episode 5, A God Buys His Cheeseburgers. Episode 6, We Take a Zebra to Vegas. Episode 7, We Find Out the Truth, Sort of. And Episode 8, The Prophecy Comes True. So, you might have seen on the socials I've been posting about how it was really fun that our first two podcast episodes for this line up perfectly with the first two TV show episodes. And if you haven't seen that, go follow me on the socials I'm posting on the Twitter and the Instagram primarily, <laughs> uh, Demigod Disasters or Demigod Disaster because Twitter won't let me add an S. Um, I'll put the those little ads also in the description so you can come check us out there and hang out in between. So really perfect. The first two episodes each take up about five chapter chunks uh, and it seems like we'll also be getting more things in that, in those episodes that expand on what's already in those chapters so that's cool that's exciting episodes three to six seem to cover <laughs> like chapters 11 through 16 so like that's that's a lot of chapters um that are getting a lot of spotlight which is really exciting and so we'll kind of go through it a little bit more so as we go through these chapters we're going to break them up by this tv show episode structure uh, and so we'll talk about what that is. So episode three, we visit the Garden Gnome Emporium, seems to also probably have the content for we get advice from a poodle. So it looks like just by like going by the titles that this one's also going to include that chapter if it will have the infamous poodle. I hope it does. Um, but this is going to be mostly Medusa fighting, fighting Medusa. Percy saying hi to the poodle, getting on the Amtrak, and Percy having developments in their relationship, Grover reading Percy like a book, you know, all of those fun things. Episode 4, I plunged to my death, seems that it'll also include I become a known fugitive, we'll have the St. Louis Arch, Echidna, and the Chimera, new powers for Percy, also some Poseidon lore or like information from Poseidon, that kind of thing. Episode 5 is A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers, and this one is like looks to be a fully standalone chapter. 
which I think is so interesting. We're going to be spending a whole episode in this chapter because the chapter right before it is I become a known fugitive and the chapter right after is we take a zebra to Vegas, which is the title of the next episode. I think it would be really weird to have just Percy fighting the chimera falling off and then that's where the episode ends. I'm guessing that we'll get the underwater sequence in episode four with all of the St. Louis Arch stuff kind of contained because God buys us cheeseburgers, episode five. I'm sorry. Are you, are you keeping up? <laughs> a God buys us cheeseburgers, episode five, is going to have Iris messaging Camp Half-Blood, meeting with Ares, so, you know, our first God, the Tunnel of Love, and also Olympus reality TV, which I hope that you've been, like, excited for and, like, waiting for forever. Isn't this just the most, like, normal chapter ever? Um... But I'm excited for this one. It means we're giving this its full glory. I'm so excited for the full moment of the Tunnel of Love. So excited for that. Next episode, episode six, is we take a zebra to Vegas. So this is this is where I have to tell you that I lied to you a little bit. <laughs> In the sense that, you know how I said we're reading chapters 11 through 16? We are. This is true. I'm also going to talk a little bit about the start of chapter 17. Because the next episode title is We Find Out the Truth, sort of. And I just have a strong feeling that part of chapter 17 is going to be cut out. That is just the, the inkling that I have. <laughs> so I'm trying to get us a little... I, I think that the part of chapter 17 that is the most important will probably be put into this episode, this TV show episode. Because then it'll wrap it up in a little bow before we're set off to the underworld, to Hades, in chapter 7. Because I think chapters, chapters, oh my god, I keep saying chapter. In, <laughs> so in episode 7, we will be in the underworld. I think, I think we'll go into a chapter 17, because that way we get the Lotus Casino in full glory and magic, and then also go into the underworld in the next episode for the TV show. So I hope, I hope that made sense. I hope you're following along. It seems like we take a zebra to Vegas. We'll have a little bit of that chapter 17 and I'm guessing, which is like the waterbed chapter. I don't know if you've read that far yet. I don't know if you remember. We're not going to get to the waterbed part. We're going to stop before it. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting if they end up fitting in the waterbed. I feel like they won't just because it's so... Like, to this, it's, a, it's such a random side quest, you know what I mean? Regardless, regardless, I think that that's probably what's going to happen, and that's probably why Hermes in the TV show is in the Lotus Casino episode, which is We Take a Zebra to Vegas. So I think that that's what's happening. I think that then we'll come back next week, and we'll spend all of the time in the underworld, and we'll solve the prophecy. Everything comes true. It's going to be great. <laughs> but that's kind of the structure of what it looks like, the book to tv show episodes are lining up to be i think it'll since, since our first two podcast episodes have just so perfectly lined up with the first two episodes content wise of the tv show i just thought that i should keep that theme going that's the plan <laughs> so that we can look at episode titles read you know talk about what's probably going to be covered in those episodes and I'll be like, okay, that was that episode. Next episode, this is what's probably going to be covered. And I'm sure that if, if you're a little lost, I'm sure it will make a bit more sense once we're into it. 
just because then we can see it all very clearly with a little bow on top and I think we'll be we'll be good it's gonna be so solid so what we'll do because you know how we normally do a little break for water or a drink or something like that we'll still do a break we'll still have our little moment but we'll divvy it up by doing the first two like tv show episodes which is actually the bulk of the chapters so it's gonna be chapters 11 through 14 so Medusa all the way to I become a known fugitive yeah sound good okay Let's do that. Okay, so first chunk. We visit the Garden of Emporium. This is episode three of the TV show. We're going to be doing this ch this chapter and the chapter right after as this first little chunk. Okay, cool, cool. So we've just managed to run away from the Furies on the bus. Like, woof, we have nothing. We have no money. We just got the clothes in our backs, whatever's in our pockets. That's all we got. We are running through the woods we are rattled. Grover is like shaking in his boots. He's like, all three of them? What the heck? You know? <laughs> um, and we're getting bickering between the trio as a whole, but especially between Annabeth and Percy. And ooh, ooh, I, I forgot just how absolutely delicious the bickering between the two of them is, especially at the beginning before they like come to terms with like spending time with each other the bickering between them is just so amazing it's just like witty back and forth they are like non-stop like sass all around no one is spared and i think it's so good <laughs> it is so good and so i'm really glad that for the tv show we did that i didn't do anything and <laughs> listener you probably also didn't do anything the chances of anyone who actually had anything to do <laughs> with that show listening <laughs> and being included in that way very very low um but i was very happy that they did chemistry reads and of course they'd have to do chemistry reads because this is this trio is going to carry but like this bickering like i need this bickering to be so just like chef's kiss you know just absolutely incredible because <laughs> their bickering is something that is so near and dear to my heart and also just like really great start to Persebeth, greatest love story ever told um or one of the greatest I don't actually know of any other ones that I'd put on top of it but really really good and so I just I need it to be so good <laughs> So I just, I love, I love how they bicker. It's so fun. Um, but we do get um, Annabeth opening up about how she hasn't left camp since she was seven. Which is when she went into camp. So like, that's really, really wild that it's taken this long for her to be able to go out into the world. And she also talks about how this quest is really her one chance to see the outside world and like prove herself. She's trying really hard to explain like this is her moment to prove that she is a good fighter and that she's not somebody that people need to constantly be looking out for. She gets upset. She like literally calls up person. She's like, I didn't need your help. I would have been fine. And like, did she need his help? And that, yes, she did. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that she's really trying to, you know, show that she can do this because this is her first chance to do it. It's probably like she feels like she's like in a test situation for the first time ever <laughs> that she like can't 100% guarantee that she will ace. And like as somebody who's been in that kind of thing, not life or death, obviously, like this is, but like that stress, <laughs> that anxiety whew, whew, is so high. 
It is so high. You can't see the gestures I'm making, but I am gesturing. <laughs> the bar is so high. And by so high, I mean above my head. That's where I'm gesturing to. It is so, so high. <laughs> and and I get it. And if it's like, there's a lot riding on this quest going well for her personally. Percy picks some of that up and notices that, hey, maybe she's doubting herself and her abilities. And he, he tries to reassure her. We get some some sweet, like bonding it's it's lovely uh which is interrupted by grover using his reed pipes to play hillary duff <laughs> now okay if you are a younger listener you might not know very much about hillary duff i am a person who didn't grow up with hillary duff in like any kind of significant way so she doesn't really have an impact on me as a reference <laughs> But I will use this as an opportunity to push my Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo agenda that she will be in this TV show in some way, shape, or form. And so I was like, maybe this is, maybe this is the time that we get our Olivia Rodrigo cameo. And like, if this was set in modern times, which I know that we're kind of hoping for, like, the 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 producers have talked about the show being kind of timeless in that like you can't fully place where it is. You just know that it's in modern times. Um, do you think that Grover would be playing, uh, good for you on the reed pipes or would it be, would it be driver's license? I feel like that'd be really sad for him to play on the, you know, I don't know what that would sound like, but like, would it just be bad idea, right? Like what would, what is Grover's Olivia Rodrigo song of choice? Do you think Grover would be playing another artist? Do you think it's still going to be Hilary Duff? That's what I want to know. Big questions. But Percy's had this realization, and I feel like I have the opposite of this realization, but I'm just going to entertain is that, oh, I've been eating, like, straight healthy food for, like, two weeks. I need junk food in my body this very moment. I feel like I oftentimes have the opposite thing of, like, I've had too much processed stuff. I need vegetables. Somebody just give me a bucket of vegetables. <laughs> and sometimes that's what I do. But Percy's having having the opposite. And you know what? Who am I to judge him? He's been eating so healthy. He's been working hard. If he wants a cheeseburger, who am I to deny him a cheeseburger? Who am I? No one. Exactly. So they as they're going through this 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 the woods, they they stumble onto this road. And on this road, they run into a lone business surrounded by other buildings that are like kind of abandoned kind of closed down like I think one is like a gas station like run down area but there's this business it's open it's empty <laughs> there's not it's not bustling you know there's not a lot of people in there uh in fact there's nobody in there and uh it, this business has a sign at the entrance that reads Auntie M's Garden Emporium and I, I I mentioned this specifically not just because it's Auntie M M but um because I thought it was really nice that it points out that both Annabeth and Percy are dyslexic because Annabeth also couldn't read the sign. Per Percy was looking at the sign. He was like, what does that say? And Annabeth also was just like, oh, I don't know. I can't do. <laughs> I'm also dyslexic. I can't read that. Uh, so Grover is truly carrying them on his back. Uh, I love that for him. <laughs> um, both Annabeth and Percy are kind of in this like food mindset at this point, And they have like a moment of synergy that I think was so fun. Where they're, they're both, like, on the same wavelength, and Grover's, like, 
man, like, I don't know if we should go in. Like, this place is kind of sketchy. And he was like, I think you're getting too in your head. Like, Percy and Annabeth are being like, snack bar? What if there's a snack bar? Let's go. <laughs> snack bar? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and I thought it was very funny. Um, as we're coming in, we see that there's a lot of statues in here. There's a lot of them. One of them looks like uh, Grover's Uncle Ferdinand, which is interesting because uh, his Uncle Ferdinand disappeared, you know? <laughs> And, and Grover insists that he can smell monsters, but Annabeth is just like, that snack bar, though. I think you're just in your head about the furies that we just saw. Like, snack bar here in the present moment, more important, you know? And she's so real for that. She's so real for that. <laughs> they meet a woman that we presume to be Auntie M. She's the only woman in this building, and her hair and face are fully veiled uh, in the book She's described to have, like, Middle Eastern features and, uh, like, appearance. And I'm glad that we are not playing into stereotypes for the TV show. Because, you know, what we don't need stereotypes. So, that'll be good. I think that the new design for Medusa looks so cool. <laughs> I think, I, I'm, just, I'm excited. I'm excited. So, that'll be fun. Um, but, we meet Auntie M. And she asks the kids, like, where are your parents? You know, that that thing that they put on TV, like, parents, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? That's what Auntie M is doing right now. But it's the middle of the day. And <laughs> and she's asking it. And I, I just, Percy gives the greatest answer. He just blurts out, like, we're orphans. Um, we're part of a, a circus caravan. And we were lost. <laughs> We've been separated. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why is this the first thing that comes to his mind who let him speak <laughs> who who let him speak somebody somebody take away his microphone i <laughs> why is this the first thing that came to his mind i don't know but it's very funny um auntie m kind of like entertains them and this very obvious lie grover's still kind of panicking and like not really well he's not panicking but like grover's still like really suspicious of this whole situation, he's, like, side-eyeing Medusa this whole time. Sorry, a Auntie M, never <laughs> Spoiler. Um, my bad. <laughs> um, but he's, like, side-eyeing her. He's like, I don't know about this. Um, she invites them in for dinner, makes them some delicious cheeseburgers. Like, the best cheeseburgers you've ever had. Super, like, extra, extra large fries, milkshakes, like, the works. Like, they are getting all of their cravings as they so deserve, as they so deserve. <laughs> um, but there's also something to this that it's almost like the smell is intoxicating and Percy's kind of entering this like bizarre like daze where he, he, he can tell that people are becoming uneasy and that like, Grover is in particular like still really uneasy about the whole situation, but he can't get himself to see past the like, smooth voice that uh auntie m has and the the yummy smell of the food like he's so entranced by all of this very very interesting and they also forget how weird it is like he doesn't even take into account how bizarre it is that there's all of these statues surrounding them inside of this garden gnome emporium right and grover is hearing hissing noises interesting <laughs> right like hmm <laughs> And Auntie Emma's like, no, like, you must just be hearing the frying oil, like, ha, ha, ha. 
there's no hissing noises, but Grover's picking up. He's still really nervous. He's, you know, side-eyeing this whole situation. And as they're eating, Auntie M is staring at them. Like, please, mind your business. Like, you don't need to be in our bubble. Back off. <laughs> we ask her uh, about her business, you know, to be polite. Because Percy's polite and, you know, makes small talk. And she starts to talk about how, with the statues, the face is the hardest to get right. It's always the face. Red flags. Sirens blaring everywhere. What do you mean? What do you mean? Why does everybody look distressed? Why do these statues look afraid? What's happening? You know? We will, we will, we will. You Are you paying attention yet, Percy? No, he's not. Uh, but they start talking about her past. And this is when Annabeth is zeroing in. Her little, or she, I like to think of her in this moment, like she's a cat. And her little ears have just perked up. And she's looking around. She's like, what, 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 what? <laughs> and I like to think that that's exactly what Annabeth looks like in this moment. Because she is starting to piece it together. And now every single word is like cutting through that fog that was encompassing her and Percy, but especially Percy. And this is her being like, whoa, hold on. This is sounding familiar to me. Auntie M keeps talking uh, about her two sisters, how a bad woman, air quotes, deter was determined to keep her away from her boyfriend and caused a terrible accident. Can you hear the air quotes? I'm trying to make them very obvious. And Percy is still head in the clouds, like... <laughs> He's like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> and Annabeth's there, like, with, like, her alarms are also blaring. She's like, oh, oh, this is bad. This is bad. I, I, what is this story? I can't remember, but this is bad. This is bad. Auntie M asked them for a photo. Percy's insisting. He's like, it's okay, guys. Don't panic. It's just a picture. We'll leave right after the picture. And Annabeth's like, can we go now? And he's like, no, it's just a photo. Don't worry. Don't worry. Boy, pack it up. <laughs> stop <laughs> and auntie emma is like slowly unveiling uh, or unwrapping her head and everybody else in this room is doing the math everybody two plus two is equaling four but percy he doesn't even know what numbers are in this equation he's like we're chilling everything is fine but grover's like oh this isn't a statue that looks like my uncle ferdinand this is my Uncle Ferdinand. And Annabeth is like, oh my god, I know who this is. Oh my god, oh my god. She puts on her cap. She's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and she starts to yell at them to look away. At the perfect moment, Grover activates his wing shoes. He starts flying. Everyone is scattering. Percy's like, guys, she just wanted a picture. <laughs> and when he kind of like uh, is like about to look up at, at her, he realizes, oh, Auntie M, like the, the, the letter M, like, like a Medusa, <laughs> like Medusa. Yeah. Yeah. Now Percy's like, oh, uh. <laughs> it's, it's finally clicked in. We're finally in the moment. And Medusa's trying to convince Percy to give in. Uh, he's still kind of entranced by her. You know, the, it's a, it's almost like a, it, it, it sounds like it's almost like a sleepy, like you're in a warm blanket and you don't want to get up in the morning kind of feeling. You're like, oh, but it'd just be so easy to just give in. That's what it sounds like is the, the feeling that he has in this moment. And she's explaining to him that he is only a pawn for the gods if he continues on in this quest. 
and we go into the fight, you know, bam, whack, boom, fight, fight, fight. We're going into it. Annabeth explains to us that Percy can fight Medusa if he looks in reflections to see where she is as long as he doesn't look directly at her. And she asks Percy specifically to cut her head off. He's like, what? <laughs> uh, she's like, you want her to kill other innocent people? You got to do it. You got to do it now. And so he's resigned. He's like, I guess I have to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> and the conversations that we get during this are so funny. <laughs> We get some really funny, like, like bickering, some funny, like, um, hey, guys, I think she's unconscious. And then you hear Medusa like, Rah! and Grover replies, I don't think so anymore. <laughs> Just very silly things. I love it. Think of that, like, clown music that would play as, like, fast forward and, like, sped up things, like, silly situations happen. That's what I'm picturing in my head during this whole scene. Um, in all of this fighting eventually percy gets close enough to her she's about to turn him to stone because he's talking to her and she's she is she is turning on all of the the magic to try and get him to look at her and last minute he swipes his sword cuts her head off we learned then about spoils of war that once you sever something from a monster or monster adjacent being i don't think medusa's technically a monster I don't think so. <laughs> um, it becomes a spoil of war and it, and it stays. That's how Percy got to keep the Minotaur horn. That's how he gets to keep Medusa's head. So, fun fact. So now he has the head and they're gonna they're wrapping it in plastic bags, double wrapping it. We don't want that leaking. We don't want that coming through. The eyes still work. Like, you you will still be turned to stone with those eyes. You know, so, so we, we don't want to mess with that. And we get a little bit more bickering between Annabeth and Percy, uh, specifically uh, on the behalf of their parents, with Percy being like, oh, so we have Athena to thank for this, and Annabeth being like, actually, her boyfriend was Poseidon, so it's actually your dad's fault, you know, and just bicker, bicker, bicker. I love it. <laughs> it's so much fun to read. I I, I love their, like, early, <laughs> this this dynamic is just so fun. Uh, to read and also it's kind of like oh man like they're, they're going through it but also like it's funny I can't deny <laughs> but as they're trying to figure out what to do with it Percy's still feeling a lot of the he's still feeling a lot of the resentment and frustration of the situation and he remembers what Medusa had said specifically about being a pawn of the gods and it's kind of having a moment where he's like you know what where he's like I'm over this you know <laughs> And decides to not only raid Medusa's, like, cash register desk area, he steals some cash, he steals some drachmas, he also finds the address for the underworlds, for, for, like, the underworld, and also packing slips for Hermes Overnight Express. And he goes, you know what? I'm gonna do something, and they're just gonna have to deal with it. And it means that it's time to mail this bad boy to Mount Olympus. <laughs> So now we are mailing Medusa's head to Mount Olympus and we get a lovely thing where Percy's like, I am impertinent because Annabeth calls him that and I think it's lovely. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I am being difficult. I am being indignant. I have the right to be. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, but that's kind of where that chapter ends. They end up camping in the woods. They decide to sleep in shifts and we get this lovely sequence with Grover and Percy having a conversation 
Annabeth is the first one out. She's like, you don't have to tell me twice. I'm going to bed. I aspire to be like Annabeth. <laughs> uh, but we get a little bit of information about Grover and his aspirations, right? So we've only kind of known that he was applying for a license, a searcher's license, that he wasn't doing very well in getting it. He, he His fate is still tied to Percy's and like this quest also impacts Grover's future, right? We know that it's impacting Annabeth's future and like it, it determines whether or not she's she's like a viable camper that can be trusted on quests, right? But this is also really important for Grover. So Grover starts to tell us about Pan, the god of the wild and lord of the satyrs, how Pan is missing, he's believed to be dead, and that Grover really wants a searcher's license because he's seeing the state of the world, how pollution is impacting everything, and how humanity is kind of destroying a lot of nature, and that humans don't care, demigods don't care, and gods don't care about the environment, but he really cares, and he wants to find Pan so that they can fix the situation. So we learned a little bit about Grover's motivations. That's why he really wants a searcher's license. We also learn, let me just say, that no searcher who's gotten their searcher's license has come back alive in 2,000 years, right? Like, it has been a long time that the satyrs have been specifically going out and looking for Pan to try and restore the state of the world. I think that's kind of devastating. <laughs> kind of devastating uh, that... There has not only been no, like, success, but that, like, the only thing that we've heard is that Pan is dead and also that no one's come back alive. Everyone's searching for him. No one can find him. And no one lives to tell the tale. Uh, you know, so it's, it's not looking good. It is not looking good. But we also learn, we had confirmed that Grover's first attempt uh, as a satyr to, you know, be a protector that the one that you know the one that didn't go very well <laughs> that was with annabeth and that's like all that we get confirmed for now but then we can imply yes it also involved luke yes it probably also involved talia get ready for the heartache all right um but we also uh get a little bit of a moment of a moment to think about our interaction with the furies and we don't often get lots of moments of pause or any kind of reflection as we go through the books but we are going to get this one where they start to think about how hey were the furies actually looking for percy uh annabeth was trying to talk about this earlier but she got cut off by hillary duff um or maybe olivia rodrigo on the tv show you know <laughs> but uh just about how hey this is a uh, an object that they're looking for you know like uh is it, what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? They're not looking for Percy. They would have the lightning bolt. So they wouldn't be looking for the lightning bolt if they were from Hades, right? So like, what's going on there? What's, what's happening? I don't know. Interesting, intriguing. Um, we also get a conversation about feelings. We don't really get to reflect on them very much. We just have to notice that they're there and get really upset about them. <laughs> but we see that Percy's really defensive about how he feels towards his dad and that's kind of impacting how he's acting and part of why he sent off Medusa's head to Mount Olympus. Um, I have a little excerpt, page 192, <laughs> if you want to follow along. 
um, that I was going to read. And I just want to read what it is that Grover says to Percy when he's like, hey, are you good? Like, I think that you're upset about stuff in a way that you don't understand. So here we go. Grover gazed down from his tree branch. Look, Percy, I'm not as smart as Annabeth. I'm not as brave as you, but I'm pretty good at reading emotions. You're glad your dad is alive. You feel good that he's claimed you, and part of you wants to make him proud. That's why you mailed Medusa's head to Olympus. You wanted him to notice what you'd done. Yeah? Well, maybe Sater's emotions work differently than human emotions, because you're wrong. I don't care what he thinks. Grover pulled his feet up onto the branch. Okay, Percy. Whatever. Besides, I haven't done anything worth bragging about. We barely got out of New York, and we're stuck here with no money and no way west. Grover looked at the night sky, like he was thinking about that problem. How about I take first watch, huh? You get some sleep. I wanted to protest, but he started to play Mozart, soft and sweet, and I turned away, my eyes stinging. After a few bars of piano concerto number 12, I was asleep. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I, I realized I didn't know what that was. It might be I too. I got my pupils dilated today <laughs> when I went to the eye doctor. So, so if I can't read, that's why. <laughs> Just know. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, but I, I, that's such a special moment. And I'm, uh, the, the, these kids are being sent off on this really difficult quest. Their only support is each other. And they're dealing with all of these new emotions, all of these new circumstances that are just like really challenging for all of them. This quest is so important for the three of them in various different ways, right? They all want to help Percy, you know, get through this and also obviously want to end whatever's happening between the gods to try and make sure that we don't enter World War Three. But at the same time, all of them have something really personal riding in on this quest and none of them get the chance to properly like sit with that uh we we start to see little bits and pieces of it kind of come through just because these emotions that these kids are feeling are so strong i also think it's very special that grover is able to be like hey i can see right through you Right? And, like, yes, we're going with the thing of, like, satyrs are really in tune to emotion. But I also think that there's just something nice about the fact that, like, Percy still has a, a genuine friend who's known him for longer than two weeks. <laughs> you know? Uh, and that he just really wants to be there for him. You know, he wasn't lying when he said that he was actually Percy's friend. I just... They need emotional support. <laughs> they need they need an adult who knows to talk about feelings, who knows how to talk about feelings, help them deal with their feelings. They need therapy. These kids, <laughs> they need therapy. Um, even like, I mean, this is a lot for them to go through. I just I want them to be okay, <laughs> and they will be. They will be, but. Man, they need to sit down and talk with somebody so they can figure out how to talk about their feelings. Because they're not doing a very good job. And, like, Percy's 
very emotional at the end of that conversation. And I don't blame him, but also, man, maybe not the best way to go about it. We're having lots of feelings. How many times will I say that throughout this? You know, we are we are feeling a lot of feelings in this moment. <laughs> uh, Percy goes off to sleep, as we just talked about, and he has a dream of the mysterious voice from the pit again. And this voice is now offering Percy his mom. Interesting. Who has the power to offer Percy his mom? We would think Hades, but they keep saying things like, bring me the bolt, strike a blow against the gods. That's, that doesn't sound like Hades to me. Hades would already have the bolt. What is this, you know? So we're getting a little bit more of that, this mysterious voice from the pit just keeps on coming back. Uh, and again, uh, if you remember the earliest piece of Greek mythology that we learned, what was that about again? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Kronos and uh, his his kids. Hmm, <laughs> interesting, interesting. Uh, but rise and shine, friends, uh, because Grover has become friends with a uh, um a pink poodle. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what was the reason for this? I listen. I love the pink poodle. I think it's such a funny little bit. But also, why? <laughs> why did this happen? Who? Who invited this poodle into this book? This poodle has no significance on Greek mythology whatsoever. It only explains to us that Grover can speak with animals. And that's it. <laughs> but, but, you know, this pink poodle is here now. Um, and Gladio Gladiola, the poodle, is willing to be sent back to his family. He, he ran away. If... It helps them get money to continue on their quest. You know, Grover's really been selling up their quest to, to Gladiola. And, you know, Gladiola, Gladiola is really, really out here doing charity work. You know, we we thank you for your service. We thank you for your service. We do get this really great um, bit <laughs> that I love. That I love so, so much. Where, <laughs> let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. And in this bit, we have um, <laughs> Percy going, I'm not saying hello to a pink poodle. Forget it. And then Annabeth goes, Percy, I said hello to the poodle. You say hello to the poodle. And then the poodle growled and Percy goes, I said hello to the poodle. <laughs> I hope we get something like that in the, in the TV show. I hope we keep the poodle. I think the poodle is important. <laughs> Just for that bit. Uh, but Annabeth says once they get the cash money, they'll take the Amtrak, continue on the quest, and that's kind of where the chapter ends. I do want to say, just as a side note, I desperately want a shot, like, in in, in the TV show, of the trio awkwardly ringing the doorbell of this rich family while holding the poodle and it, with, like, the fakest, most pained smiles, handing Gladiola over, turning it in, like... Can you see it? Can you see the vision? That would just look so hilarious. I think it would be so good. Um, and that should be the end of episode three. Meaty episode. There's a lot that happens. We get Medusa. We get all the angst. We get we get feelings. We get a poodle. Um, but we're getting action and feelings. And I think we talked about this before. But, you know, as we go through the rest of the book, this is a recurring structure. Action, feelings, 
Action, feelings. Do we actually have time to sit with our feelings? No, but they're there. <laughs> Do not forget that they are there. Um, we feel feelings and we maybe die. It's a gamble every time, but that's kind of where that one goes. So the next one, as we go into the next episode, is I plunge... Hi. Really, really quick. Really quick. Uh, this is editing, Andy. Hi. <laughs> Me in the editing world. So I was realizing as I was editing this episode that if I stayed true to my word about having this be all the way through to chapter like 16, a little bit of 17, we would be here all day. And like, not that that's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I wasn't prepared to be here all day. <laughs> um, and so I just wanted to be very transparent and say, you know what, let's make sure that this is good and that we just have a little bit more time and a little bit more breathing room. So what I'm going to do is instead of having all four of those TV show episodes in this one, we'll just do the other two on Friday. Okay? Everything's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. <laughs> I just, it, it's just me rearranging some pieces so that everything's a little bit more digestible because it's a lot to listen to just one person talk for hours. <laughs> and maybe you, maybe you're having fun. Please let me know if you are in any way, shape or form. If it's like a review or a, a tweet or a DM, like just let me know. Let me know what you think. <laughs> let me know if you're having a blast. Um, also, let me know what your fun drink for today was. Today, I made a very special tea. And and this tea had green tea, it had raspberry tea, and it had <laughs> hibiscus orange peel uh, in it as well. And so I did that with some lemonade. And that was my fun drink. And I hope that you get to have a fun drink and get to, you know, hydrate yourself as you listen to this episode. And hopefully have a lovely day so you know just just putting that out there too i hope you've had your break <laughs> i know i didn't give us one officially this is your break hi this is the break cool cool all right back to regularly scheduled programming okay bye all right we are on the amtrak now baby we are on it we are traveling west we're on board and thank the gods because we finally have a breather. <laughs> we finally have a moment. Percy is um wanted by the the mortal world <laughs> in in various uh law enforcement capacities. The mortal world is starting to collect pieces of of Percy's adventures and is just starting to kind of frame him as like maybe a terrorist, right? Cuz now we have his mom is missing and we also have he blew up this bus. So, like, he's doing something, right? To the mortal world, like, the, the mist is working, but it's not working in our favor. <laughs> you know? So, now we are not only being hunted by monsters, but also by the cops. I love that for us. Am I right? It's amazing for our psyche and our stress levels as 12-year-olds. Um, <laughs> so, that's fun. We, while we're on the Amtrak, we get some very interesting sights out of the windows uh, our time on the Amtrak is is mostly kind of like in passing. We get little we get little snippets. So just know that it's like a mashup of days as we travel. But 
we do find out a couple things. So one of those is that in this reread, you may have noticed that we don't get any kind of Annabeth stabbing a thing on the train, right? Annabeth hasn't stabbed anything at this point. Or like through the end of this whole section that we're talking about today. And so, hmm, hmm. It, it does look in the trailer like they're in some kind of fancy space. And the only thing I could think of is the train station. But there's nothing here. But you know what we do get? Do you know what we do get? We get these things that we can see at the window. So at one point, Percy mentions that he sees centaurs galloping around. But he also says this. I saw something huge moving through the woods. I could have sworn it was a lion, except that lions don't live wild in America, and this thing was the size of a hummer. Its fur glinted gold in the evening light. Then it leaped through the trees and was gone. So that was, it was page 198, if you wanted to check. Fact check me, whatever. Um, and I wonder if this is going to be expanded on in the TV show, and this creature that we'll later find out probably the same creature we 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 fight a little bit later um what if that's who annabeth is fighting in the train interesting i'm very curious about what all of that stuff is regardless we're getting kind of a mashup of days as we travel on the amtrak percy's trying very hard not to drool in his sleep we really love that for him um <laughs> but he's still sleep talking and annabeth kind of uses that as an opportunity to to jumpstart their conversation about this quest because they're all starting to have doubts about what's really happening uh there seems to be kind of an uncertainty of like does hades even have the master bolt like this math isn't mathing why are the furies asking for things as if they're an object and not a person why 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 are they being hunted so aggressively right where what are they looking for an object or are they looking for percy Lots of questions. Very interesting. But, I mean, we're 12 years old. We don't know what's going on. There's no adult here to help us. I guess we just have to keep going. <laughs> In case the original plan that, like, Hades has the Master Bolt is right. So, you know, I guess we're going to keep going. Uh, but we do learn some Annabeth lore. Very exciting. I love learning about Annabeth. Even when it crushes my soul because she deserves the world and she isn't getting that so we learn that she does not have a very good relationship with her dad she wasn't born in a hospital um but she landed on her dad's front step and she talks about how like he should have been treating that like it was a miracle right but really he kind of was not happy having a kid all of a sudden uh she she kind of talks a lot about how she felt like a burden for so much of her life. Her dad eventually married somebody else, uh, a mortal woman. So now she has a stepmom. The stepmom and her dad had kids and they all treat her like she's some kind of curse on their family because monsters are attracted to them. You know, Annabeth <laughs> attracts monsters because she is a demigod and her family really kind of resented her and treat her like a burden and so eventually that 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 was what led her to run away and she ran away when she was seven years old tiny baby <laughs> tiny tiny baby uh she ran away when she was seven years old she had only athena's guidance and eventually met other half-bloods but she's like too sad to, to keep talking but you know 
as we were piecing these these things together, there's clearly a lot that happened when Annabeth and Grover first went to camp, and it likely involved Luke and Talia all together. We're piecing it together. Eventually, they will open up to us, explain it in more detail. You know. <laughs> But for right now, this is what we got. We do also get to learn that she really wants to build something permanent. She has this dream of being an architect and, and wants to create something that will last a thousand years. I mention it because it's a really sweet detail that also gets like built upon in the book series. And I'm just so excited. <laughs> just I love seeing the little sapling of something that I know to grow super, super big and just wonderful for, for her. She deserves all the wins. This is... This is great to, to keep in mind. We do also have a moment where Percy and Annabeth are trying to figure out how to compromise. More so, Percy's like, dude, can we <laughs> can we do something? Like, he asks more specifically, like, didn't Athena and Poseidon ever cooperate? And I think it's very sweet. He's he's very earnestly trying to be like, can we, can we do this? Can we please not hate each other and bicker forever? Granted, their bickering is very funny, but he's like, please... <laughs> Can we can we try to to, to cooperate? And it talks about when the chariot was built, Athena engineered the chariot itself, and Poseidon built the horses. Right, created the horses out of sea waves. So if they could cooperate, the, their their parents could cooperate back then. Percy and Annabeth should be able to cooperate now. And so you know they have kind of like a truce of like, all right, I'm not gonna hate your guts as much as normal. <laughs> I'm giving you a pass. <laughs> So we get we get that lovely little bonding moment. I hope we do get like something very very similar to this or better than this in in the TV show. I just I love I love Percy. I love baby Percy and Annabeth like figuring out how to how to interact with each other. They're so cute. They're so special. Um we're on the train, right? But there's a layover. I don't think I've ever been on a train long enough to have a layover in the states. I have outside of the states, but you know. <laughs> But normally, I'm a very anxious person, so when a layover happens, I'm staying put if it's, like, only three hours long, which is what their layover is. But they were like, you know what? Let's let's go sightseeing. You know why? Because there's a St. Louis Arch, and Annabeth just really, really wants to see this. It's, like, a really cool thing for her architect queen, <laughs> right? Um, so let's go sightseeing. Infamous last words. You know, <laughs> But we start off underground um, because we're going to take an elevator to go all the way up through the arch. Uh, and because we're underground, it just smells like monsters. And so Percy is like, you know, feeling that feeling that someone is watching him. And let me just say that I was also feeling that feeling yesterday when I was recording. And I was like, is somebody watching? <laughs> uh, who knows? No one was there as far as I could tell. And Percy, as far as he can tell, also doesn't see anybody there. But he remembers about Haiti. I mean, our friend downstairs. That's such a funny nickname for him. <laughs> Percy just elaborated like, yeah, our friend way downstairs. I think it's so funny. Uh, he has a helm of darkness that allows him to basically be invisible in the shadows. Now we're all on edge. Is he in the shadows? Is he not? I don't know. Thanks, Percy. Thanks for that great thought. Now we're anxious. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so we're getting on the elevator, and there's this there's this lady. She's she's kind of bizarre, um, but she's asking them like, "Hey, like, where are your parents?" And just like, let's let's have a moment for the absolute 
incredible comedy that is all of the various different excuses that Percy and the kids make up throughout the quest to, <laughs> or like try to make up as excuses for why they don't have any parents. This time it was like, you know, pretty tame. The The line was like, our parents are scared of heights. Thank you, Annabeth. Um, <laughs> I, I just thought it was very funny. Uh, this lady who's asking all these questions, she has a chihuahua and no one seems to care or like be phased, like even though they shouldn't be in those tiny confined spaces, no one's saying anything. Okay. Uh, she does tell the chihuahua like, now Sunny, behave. And Percy's like, oh, is that the dog's name? And she's like, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking of like, if this were to be like written out in like text form. If it was like no with like a the emoticon smiley face, <laughs> just no, and that's it. <laughs> um, okay, sure, okay, I could not name Sunny. Cool. Um, they get to the top of the arch. Annabeth is like a kid in a candy store. She's having all of these thoughts, but she's also like critiquing. She's like, I would have made this different, and I would have made this window this way, and da 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 da. And she's she's having a blast. And so when they have to end up going back, they get split up, because the elevator that they're gonna take back down is full. And so Percy's like, Hey, don't worry, guys. Like, I'll catch up. I'll just take the next one. It's gonna be fine. Everything's okay, right? Well, ab about that. So the, the <laughs> yeah. So uh. Annabeth, I keep wanting to say the actors' names, so that's why I'm thinking extra hard. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Arian and, and Leah, but no. I was about to say Walker. No! <laughs> but Annabeth and Grover are heading down in the elevator. Percy's just waiting for the next one, you know. He's like, I guess I'm just going to have to be here for a little bit. The chihuahua starts yapping and starts, like, jumping on Percy, like, getting, like, aggressive and... Uh, turns out that Sunny wasn't the name of the Chihuahua because, uh, the lady keeps being like, oh, do you want to do it now, son? And he's like, son, what? Uh, are you, is your Chihuahua okay? <laughs> and the lady's like, Chihuahua? No, 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 Chimera, actually. Actually, actually, I'm Echidna? Have you ever heard of me? Yeah, I'm the mother of monsters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, how dare you call my son? A chihuahua. He's a chimera. And and he's gonna bite your face off. So, <laughs> the chimera that started off as a little chihuahua starts growing in size. Um, eventually bigger than, like, a lion. Makes me think of that little bit earlier of what Percy was seeing out the window on that Amtrak train. And this, is, this isn't happening, like, off to the side in a corner where, like, people aren't noticing. Like, no, like, there's still other people that are also waiting for the elevator. And they're also seeing this. Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. And so um, they're also like, huh? What's, what, what is, what's going on? What's, what is this? Um, we see that the chimera has the head of a lion, body and hooves of a giant goat, and a serpent for a tail. Um, and it also has a snazzy little rhinestone dog collar fashion queen, uh, letting us know that it's a rabid, fire-breathing, and poisonous. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that everything you ever wanted? Wow, I love it so much. Um, we do have to battle this, I guess. Uh, and Echidna starts, you know, yapping, as all villains do. And she gives us this comment about how Lord Zeus rarely allows me to test a hero with one of my brood. 
Bro, when I when I read this, when I read this, I was like, what do you mean allow? <laughs> what do you mean allow? Allow? Just, we're trying to get you your lightning bolt back. What do you mean allow? You fool. <laughs> you absolute fool. Are you are you are you kidding me right now? Why are you doing this? There was no need for this to happen. Like this isn't Hades attacking, you know. This is Zeus. Bro, we're trying to get it back. Bro, I mean, like, I know that he thinks that Percy stole it. But why does he think Percy's going to Hades if he stole it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he thinks he's going to give it to Hades. Why would he? Why? What? <laughs> Zeus, use your brain. Yeah? Okay, cool. <laughs> this fight it does not go well. Uh, Just a heads up. Percy tries to slash at the chimera's neck. I mean, listen, this technique has worked twice before right like it worked with mrs dodds the first time ever it worked with medusa like surely it'll work again uh no <laughs> it, it it doesn't uh instead it just hits the the collar you know that really beautiful rhinestone collar <laughs> and so it sends percy kind of flying backwards he loses his balance granted there's like a hole at the top of the saint louis arch because the chimera could breathe fire right and they're shooting fire at Percy. So there's just a big hole. Isn't that so great? <laughs> um, and in this, he he's he's caught off balance, right? He's trying to regain his posture. He drops his sword. And not only does he drop the sword, but it, it's falling uh, down the hole, you know, out of the St. Louis Arch. You, you know, they're at the top. You know, so it's, it's uh, hmm, <laughs> that's a, that's a predicament, you know, um, and not only is Percy now without a sword, but he gets stung by the serpent tail. Now, this poison is, like, actually really messing with Percy. Uh, he, he is like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> He's very confidently like, this is the end of me. This is my death. What am I gonna do? Uh, I don't know how to progress from here. How do I protect all of these civilians? Like, I don't think that I can save them. And, and I have a little, I have a little snippet just to read a little bit for you. So <laughs> get ready. This is page 210. I glanced at the park ranger and the family. The little boy was hiding behind his father's legs. I had to protect these people. I couldn't just die. I tried to think, but my whole body was on fire. My head felt dizzy, and I had no sword. I was facing a massive, fire-breathing monster and its mother, and I was scared. There was no place else to go, so I stepped to the edge of the hole. Far, far below, the river glittered. If I died, would the monsters go away? Would they leave the humans alone? If you are the son of Poseidon, Echidna hissed. You would not fear water. Jump, Percy Jackson. Show me that water will not harm you. Jump and retrieve your sword. Prove your bloodline. Oh my god. <laughs> Echidna! With this line! Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, one, Percy's, like, struggling. You know, uh, imposter syndrome is real but also just like he already feels like he's failed and he's willing to die if it means protecting other people 
that's just like innate in him and uh, you know like no one taught him that that's not something that he's like consciously like i have to remember to put these other people first he's like no like i'm i'm what's being hunted in this moment if i die would the monsters go away oh percy <laughs> how do i tell him it'll all be okay you know it's i don't know that line just like really hit me when i was reading it again i was like whoa this kid is willing to give it all right here right now to protect everybody else around him I thought that was very impactful. But also we get Echidna kind of mocking Percy for his lack of faith in the gods. And like, listen, at this point, me too. I also wouldn't have faith in the gods. I barely met them. Like, the ones I did meet, the one I did meet, because I've only met Dionysus at this point. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I would put my life in Dionysus' hands, right? And I've never met my dad at this point. You know, if I'm Percy, why would I trust in them at all? Um, but Percy takes his leap of faith, pun intended, <laughs> prays to Poseidon for protection, and jumps off the St. Louis Arch. Iconic. Iconic. Uh, his clothes are on fire, he's got poison going through his body, and he has no sword, he's completely on his own, he is taking this massive jump, and he's like, you know what? Maybe it'll protect the people that are left behind. Like, maybe the monsters will leave them alone. Um, and maybe I'll survive, but maybe I won't. We'll see. <laughs> wild! Wild, wild, wild! He's in this position. So that's technically the end of chapter uh, 13. So we go into, I become a known fugitive. Right, but we're we're falling. We are, we are plummeting to our deaths. And uh, <laughs> there's this little funny bit of... Um, I'd love to tell you I had some deep revelation on my way down, that I came to terms with my own mortality, laughed in the face of death, etc. The truth? My only thought was, ah! <laughs> I love Percy's humor. I love Percy's humor so much. I think it's so great. <laughs> I will never get over it. It's so funny to me. And and I, I've recently gotten my, my younger brother into Percy Jackson and I think the thing that has really kept him going, even even as we're reading The Lost Hero right now, and send us prayers because I'm trying to get him through this book. <laughs> but even as we're reading The Lost Hero, he is having the most fun with the humor and the stakes. And the humor and the stakes in all of these books is just, like, really good. And it's so that it's worse than The Lost Hero. But, <laughs> but it is still just, like, there's so much that... Uh, Percy's character adds to the story and uh, it's just so good so good so uh we land in the river somehow we have good aim I have seen like the TikTok that was circulating for a little bit that Walker the kid who's gonna play Percy Jackson replied to um, and it showed how actually far apart the arch and the river was so like he didn't just have to jump out he had to jump forward like <laughs> very far forward because it's not directly above it um <laughs> and and walker had replied like like easy work you know <laughs> so you know that's fun that's fun for us but in this uh suspended fiction we're in this fiction where we suspend our beliefs about how far away the river actually is from the saint louis arch that's what i meant to say uh we land in it what how amazing <laughs> we don't feel the poison killing us incredible i love that for us we aren't um, wet, 
you know, there, there's a, a fun scene where Percy grabs a lighter that he sees floating by because he's in the river, but this river is polluted. This river is is polluted. This river would make Grover cry. You know, like this is a bad, bad case of pollution. But he sees a, he sees a lighter floating by and he grabs it. And he also sees, I think it's like a, a receipt um, or like some kind of wrapper. And he grabs that too into like his little bubble and he lights the lighter and is able to burn um the the oh my god the like paper thing and he's like what <laughs> how is this possible and as soon as he lets go of it and it and it like separates from him the the fire extinguishes because it gets dampened by the water so cool such a cool power um also we realize that uh we being us and percy that uh, we're breathing and percy's breathing underwater that's amazing that's so cool. Uh, I'm so excited for what these underwater scenes are going to look like, but very, very cool. Percy is, again, hit with this, like, massive imposter syndrome. Like, am I even a hero? I, I was clearly just lucky before when I was fighting off the Furies and fighting off Medusa. Like, those people that are up there in the arts, like, I left them behind. I couldn't save them. And this is this gets interrupted by a lady's voice uh she guides him to where his sword is he is able to grab it at first he thinks that it's just like a voice in his head that's like it's not an actual person as the voice keeps talking we learn that it's a messenger of poseidon she tells him his mother's fate is not hopeless and specifically says do not trust the gifts very cryptic <laughs> all of this is very cryptic um but also hopeful We'll see. She she tells him that uh, he's very brave. She thinks he's brave. And also that his father believes in him. This is very sweet. Uh, and also confusing because Percy is in the thick of it with the imposter syndrome, you know? So he's, he's trying to process all of this. We also learn from her that Poseidon wants Percy to go to Santa Monica. Interesting. I wonder why. <laughs> we will find out. Eventually, he's like, per he being Percy, uh, is like, all right. I guess I gotta go. The The voice of this lady who shows up. She, we see we see a woman in the water as well. It's not very clear. She eventually, like, disappears. And Percy has this really sad line of, like, if that was my mother, because it did sound like her for a little bit. He said, if that was my mother, I feel like I just lost her all over again. And I was like, oh, my heart. <laughs> Percy's going through it. <laughs> he's, he's having a lot of feelings in this moment. Um, he mentions, like, okay... I couldn't drown myself even if I tried. I guess I gotta get out of here. He swims up and he gets out of the water. And there's a crowd surrounding the arch, right? And this is always fun because how much is the mist hiding, right? What are the what are the mortals seeing as a result of the mist? Very curious. <laughs> Let's find out. So uh, the news station is, is there. And they're like, guys, this is a terrorist attack. We're getting more details. It seems like it was being led by, like, this adolescent boy who was involved, and Percy's like, oh! <laughs> and sneaks away, trying to find Grover and Annabeth. He hears that they're survivors. He's like, oh, please let it be them. Please let it be them. And it is! That's amazing! Yay! Uh, we get this really, really lovely um, conversation, or just, like, interaction between Annabeth and Percy, where Annabeth's like, what happened? And Percy just goes, I sort of fell. Percy? 630 feet so good <laughs> so
so good. I love it. I love it so much. They're so funny together. It's it's so much such a blast. We catch them up on the happenings, and as we do so, the people from the arch are coming out, mumbling things about a fire-breathing chihuahua, and oh gosh, like the news people now have matched up the adolescent, this this dangerous adolescent with Percy. And now they're saying Percy Jackson's name on the air. This is escalating. Some of the people are starting to like see him and be like, oh, that's the kid who was up there. And they're like, guys, we got to skedaddle. We got to get out of here. And so they make it somehow back to the Amtrak in time before their layover leaves. The timing in that? Insane to me. Absolutely insane to me. How did they manage that? <laughs> Literally so perfect. I don't know how they were able to do that. So wild to me. <laughs> so wild. I feel like I feel like I never make it on time for those things if I don't just stay put. Maybe they have I was about to say the god of time on their side, but uh, they, they don't. <laughs> they don't, as we will find out. They do not have that. But somehow they made it on time. Who knows? Maybe Hermes was like holding that train up for them. <laughs> because I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. Uh but overall nice you know like we we made it we got through it <laughs> percy is now a, a known fugitive all of these things are being connected to him he is going to be wanted all over the place good luck trying to keep a low profile <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> what do you even do if you're like in the st louis arch and you're seeing this unfold like what do you even do you know do you do you point him out <laughs> do you go that was the i mean i guess you would you'd be like that was the kid but like they start when they're when they're lugging lugging who when they're taking people away in like the stretchers and stuff they're acting like they're going through shock and it's like a psychotic break or not necessarily a psychotic break but that they're like having a mental break in, in some capacity where they're not fully in tune with reality yet and i don't know it's just so interesting that they just kind of get taken away and nobody like views their statements as real so like if there was a world in which this was real nobody would believe it anyways you know it's not kind of crazy i don't know it's it's so so interesting do you think that if you saw something like this that you would you would know i don't know i don't know if i would if i would i i have i have adhd right as i've said before and because of that I frequently um and my own gaslighter in that I doubt things because I'm like I don't remember maybe <laughs> and and so I wonder if you if if you dear listener hello if you think that you would be able to tell do you think so I don't know if I could I feel like I might like in the moment be like ah, that that happened and then like a couple days later be like oh I guess no one remembered so maybe I, I was wrong, you know, like I'm, I'm easy to, to influence. What am I, what am I supposed to say? You know, I feel like I would, I would want to be the kind of person to, to know, but also like, I don't know that I could, <laughs> I feel like my memory is just so bad that I, I'm not set up for success. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, that's just what it is. <laughs> um, but let me know what you think about that. Okay. Yeah. 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 But that's where this section leaves off so that is probably going to be the end of what that episode is i think it's episode four 
because the next episode is the title of the next chapter. So we're going to see, but it seems like that's where that episode left, leaves off. Those are two really meaty TV show episodes, if the way we're breaking them down is accurate. There's so much in these, so much is occurring. <laughs> I'm excited because we're also supposed to get like things expanding. I mean, again, where is Annabeth stabbing that like serpentine thing? Where is that happening? Because that's not in the book. So what's going on? What's going on? Um, and from what I remember of what's supposed to be in the rest, it's not supposed to be there. <laughs> so what's going on? I'm guessing it'll be somewhere in this sequence. That's my suspicion. Let me know what you think, if you think it'll also be in this, this section. Okay, so that about wraps it up for what this episode is going to be. As I said before, we're going to be splitting up this chunk just a little bit more to make it all a little bit more digestible as a whole. But thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, tell me what song you hope Grover plays in the reed pipes. Is it Olivia Rodrigo? I hope it is. <laughs> I really hope it is. If it's not Olivia Rodrigo, please send me a message or or send me a tweet on any of the socials, Demigod Disasters, or Demigod Disaster on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I'll link the socials in the little show notes so you can keep in touch. I will see you on Friday for the rest of this chunk. It'll be all the way from A God Buys His Cheeseburgers to the very beginning of Chapter 17 with all the waterbed situations. Okay? <laughs> okay? Sound good. I will see you there. Bye!